one formidable woman to another, let me invite onto the show Dr. Marjorie Jobson. She is the National Director of the Kulumani Support Group. Dr. Jobson, it's always a pleasure being in conversation with you. Good morning. Good morning, Kathy. Thank you. This is lovely to be with you. And today, of course, we're marking and celebrating Reconciliation Day in South Africa. Some people, of course, would have previously also remembered it as Dingan Day. And, you know, people already are talking about the Battle of the Blood of Blood River. But the day has evolved in terms of how it is experienced by South Africans, what it means to South Africans. As the Kulumani Support Group, what does this day mean to you? Kathy, I think that we haven't really wrestled sufficiently in the country with the concept of reconciliation Mm. because fundamentally reconciliation is about making amends. And I think the Truth Commission was meant to put enough truth on the table that the whole country would participate in making amends, not only for the apartheid, but also for the the horrors of, of colonialism and what that did to people. So we have a long way to go to change our understanding of real reconciliation. Um, And that would be a starting point for me. You know, I'm listening to what you're saying, Dr. Jobson, and, and I'm thinking to what we saw just this past week. We had... Um, the memorial service for former President F.W. Ditlerk, a lot was said about him at that memorial service. And it's conjuring up just, you know, these, the thinking around reconciliation and what people had to say about the figure and what they had to say about his impact on, on South Africa. What did that do for you in, in as far as thinking about a reconciled South Africa is concerned? Well, Kathy, for Kulumani, we tried over several years to set up an appointment with S.W. Duterte through his foundation. We never secured that appointment. We didn't go there to blame. We went there to build um, a communal understanding of the trauma of our past. We were never afforded that opportunity. So I, I understand that he he did come to understand how much harm apartheid had done, but he only very recently acknowledged that it was universally accepted as a crime against humanity, a crime that has never yet been prosecuted. And, and it, it isn't Kulimani's position to seek vengeance. It has been a position of offering a deep engagement with each other so we can put right these things that we did that were so harmful to each other. So I think the Clare missed a very important opportunity. And when we worked with the Dutch Reformed Church, they were amazed that we didn't come with a desire to blame and to judge. We came with a desire to find each other because mm. we need each other if we are going to build what we imagined we would build when we made another kind of vow, when we adopted our constitution and we promised to honor those who struggle for freedom and justice. And I didn't think we'd really lived into that vow of making that our reality. I mean, we remember the vow of the Battle of Blood River and that was a very hurtful way to approach people who share the same territory, the same land, the land from which people were dispossessed and depopulated with horrendous atrocities. So, yes, we, we, there's so much we have still to do in terms of reconciliation. 
Dr. Jobson, I'm just going to interrupt you there. We'll continue this conversation in a bit. I want to go to Anne Musa, who's standing by with the latest news headlines. Hashtag SAFM Talking Point. We continue the conversation on the talking point. We're reflecting on reconciliation. Can we say that we truly have reconciliation without reparations? Dr. Marjorie Jobson is the National Director of the Kulumani Support Group. Dr. Jobson, you were talking about the ideal that individuals like yourself, having been so committed to the fight against apartheid, but I think also just to the struggles of families that have been affected by that trauma, individuals that continue to live with that trauma. You've really been the umbrella body that has kept um, the memory of these people alive and that has kept the struggle of these people, those that continue to fight. You've helped to keep fighting that struggle. So when you talk about what you had in mind for a reconciled South Africa, what does that look like versus, you know, in, especially if we compare it to what we have now? So what would a reconciled South Africa look like? Um, Kathy, I think it starts with um, coming to really accept the humanity of every person who shares this country with us. We are a long way from doing that. We have no idea the talent and the the, the gifts that we have in our country because we in, in, in 1994 we secured a political reconciliation between political elites that it has never, never um, come down into community social reconciliation and that's still where we are stuck um, we are bullied by our post-apartheid leaders um, our post-apartheid leaders actually are the survivors of a lot of atrocities themselves. And the problem with people who've been traumatized is that they tend to reenact the trauma on people who are less powerful than themselves. So we need a proper social reconciliation in which all the voices are heard, in which the politicians no longer make decisions for the people and no longer insult them. And Kulamani has been subjected to so many insults because of the work we do. And I mean, the, the shameful insults of people like our Minister of Minerals and Energy, when he scorns the, the fact that the one part of the country that never lost its land because of the Pondo people's revolt is like treated as if they don't know what's best for them when they've shown us what it takes to, to maintain your identity, to value your culture, to really live into your ideals and your visions. So those are the things that we think we all need to do. We need to understand the gift of each other and to find real reconciliation and healing. And yes, you are right. There is so much ancestral healing to be done, individual trauma healing, and then the connective healing before we can really become the one South Africa that we have dreamed of, which is just deeply, deeply fragmented and flawed. The democracy is not an inclusive democracy, and especially the failure of social and economic inclusion is, is one of our biggest challenges. I'm listening to the, and the number of times, Dr. Jobson, that you've used the word deeply. The kind of work that you have in mind for what it takes to truly reconcile South Africa 
to me, by the sounds of it, uh, suggests that it needs to be a lot more meaningful. It is not about window dressing. It is not about, you know, um, having speaking to the gallery, for lack of a better phrase, but it is about being willing to actually go deeper than perhaps what we have been. It That requires honesty. Doing that kind of work requires a lot of honesty. Do you think that we, are, we will be able to do it in the face of what sometimes comes across as a denialism of what the impact of apartheid was on South Africans, especially 27 years into democracy. I think it was perhaps maybe easier for people to acknowledge the, devastate, the devastating impact of apartheid uh, a decade ago, maybe two decades ago. But now, more often you hear the phrase, well, you know, people should just get over it. Um, Kathy, trauma doesn't work like that. Trauma is embodied in people's lives for their whole lives. And I mean, one of the starting points is finally to recognize the thousands of people who sacrificed and carried the harm in that struggle to change our country who still are not recognized. I mean, the, the Department of Justice recognizes only 17,000 of these struggle veterans. And all of them need actually the, the, the dignity of knowing their story will count in this country because they stood by the most important principles that we have to guide us into the future. So that's a huge gap. Um, the denialism is, is very, very serious. Um, and I, I think what we try and do is to look at how, how we can prevent the same phenomenon playing out over in the new generation. You know, we've been working on our Poverty Must Fall campaign, and we've been engaging with young people in very, very under-resourced townships to expose them to the incredible richness of the things they can do to change the quality of life in their townships. And it's been an extraordinary experience of working with 40 young people in Bopilong who have had the most incredible feedback about how inspired they are because we've taken people like Cindy um, Mabendisa, who runs Care for the Elderly. And of all the 40 young people, the majority have decided they want to get involved in helping Cindy with caring for the elderly. Those are the people, and that will be rebuilding the connections across the generations because so many of the people who sacrificed in the struggle tell us that their children say, everything you did was a waste of time. Look where we are now. And we have to heal that pain. That's a terrible pain when somebody has given their lives and their education and all their energy to, to bringing change to this country. I mean, the one thing I think about a lot is that we are in a, an example of a settler colony, but a very unusual settler colony, because in settler colonies, the indigenous people were mostly um, eradicated. In South Africa, the majority are the indigenous people or the, the African people, and, and yet... White people are 8% of the total population, but we are still practicing as if we haven't reckoned with the fact that we are an African country and all of us have to have to grow Africa in our hearts. And my experience is that many people of Afrikaner backgrounds have that kind of passion for Africa. I'm not sure that people like from my kind of ancestral background, which was largely missionary, have really realized how much 
Africa has to give to the world. Um, you know, I was involved in ceremonies with Credo Mutwa and healers from the Hopi Nation in South America because there is this prophecy in the Hopi Nation that um, we have to heal the African wound, the wound, the original wound when millions, about 13 million people of African Africans were removed into slavery. And I mean, when I listen to all the discussions, basically slavery was what gave birth to, birth to capitalism. And Africa has different ways of communitarianism, collective solidarity, as we've seen, but that solidarity is worn very, very thin. And that's the only way we are going to change, you know, a phenomenon of a settler colony where the settlers are such a minority, but where they are still largely in the positions of privilege and power. So I think these are the real challenges we face. Dr. Jobson, just before I let you go, you know, the... it's right to have expectations of, of, of government and expect, you know, leadership, at least from the level of governance where matters like this are concerned. But I think there's also a role that we as ordinary citizens can play. And I, I say that again, just looking at your own life and how you've used your own life um, to be a champion for this cause. So what do you think it is that we as South Africans can be doing to be more actively part of the conversation, to be aware of, of this conversation so that, you know, whatever, how, however it is that we're engaging this mat- these matters, including on a day like Reconciliation Day, is not from a point of ignorance. Kathy, um, I don't think we will get to that point until all our people are willing to own up to their histories. And I know we're sitting with next generations, and a lot of the young people are really understanding the burden of the history we come from, a lot the young white people. I don't think we will do it until we become truly honest and vulnerable with each other. Um, I see very few white people showing up in Kulumani. I mean, we get interns from all over the world who value the, you know, what we stand for. But where are the South Africans who join the cause? You know, we drafted a, a, a restitution charter for South Africa of what every South African could offer to the country. We called it a complex hope. We haven't begun to live into the possibilities of that complex hope. Um, you know, I'm very grateful for some of the shifts in government, like the, it looks like we, we're edging closer to getting um, a, a basic income grant of about 1500 for every citizen, you know, in a particular economic bracket. That will transform things, because for people to have no means by, at all to, to take control of their own lives is the most undignified way to have to live in mere survival. So that would be important. That's a kind of reparation to the country for what was done to black people in this country. Um, I think there are um, so many, many things. I mean, I think we need to actually make people so aware of the everyday restitution charter and invite much broader participation because we have to heal this country. Mm. We have to heal the individual and the ancestral and our collective trauma. The people who did things to black people suffer with immense trauma.
trauma. I, mean, I, mm. I recently was visited by an ex-policeman who, when he was 18, was in serving in what was then Rhodesia. And it's taken these decades for him to find somebody to tell me what he actually did, the horrors of what he did. And this is what happens to people who are involved in, in carrying out orders or instructions, even though no individual should ever obey an unlawful instruction. But sure. we can we can find each other and we can do this and we can change the future of this country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, Dr. Jobson, thank you so much. Before I let you go, um, I've got a question for you. Riaz in Polokwane has just dialed in. Riaz, good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you for a great, great show. And to Ms. Jobson, I am a subscriber to your uh, infrequent newsletter. Uh, and I work sometimes with one of your board members, Tepo Madlingozi. And the work you do is real peace building. Mm. I, I am so ashamed that I cannot support you more because of limited time. But you are the epitome of what this country needs. And I just want to say something a little bad, but uh, please forgive me. But economically, we've chosen the worst path to development. And you are addressing that on the ground. We have a problem, like you said, that perhaps people of English background are not very interested in building this country because, as the Afrikaners used to call them, they were salt pillar. And even Tabo Mbeki, with his selection of Mahmoud Mamdani as a uh, one of the lectures, has said that the Afrikaners do have a passion for this country. And it's shocking, right, that we have Afrikaners salt pillar now because they support bad economic policy. They're cutting, uh, they're cutting budgets and they're not giving people the basic income grant. I just want to say that we really need to look at issues economically, but you are a real peace builder, and you and Sepo and everyone at... Um, Kulumani are the Mahatmas of our time, the great souls. May uh, yeah, may your path be filled with life. Riaz, that is so beautiful, and and I couldn't agree more with you. I, I really couldn't agree more with you, Dr. Jobson. Thank you, Kathy. It's so I'm so grateful. Thank you, Riaz. That our work really does count, and I think it, it's got to count more and more. I mean, these forty young people are. They they all dropped out of school. None of them got in the trick. I have never seen people more committed to giving back to their communities. We should not exclude anybody in this country. Everybody has a role to play. Okay, thank you so much. All right. Dr. Marjorie Jobson, thank you so much for being in conversation with us today. She is the National Director of the Kulumani Support Group. And... Yeah, she's one of the people that he, she is so in touch. She is so in touch with it, with what is happening in communities, in families, especially those that continue to live with the trauma, um, you know, being directly affected. Yes, you know, this entire country has been affected by the trauma of apartheid, but we've got so many families that need support in so many different ways. And Dr. Jobson is one of the people that works tirelessly to do to do that work. And I, I think she's really one of the gems of this country. So uh, Riaz, I, I want to agree with you 100%.